Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. Next question. After almost three years, my husband says he's tired of chasing recovery. He he, he was almost sober three months, but had another slip. Still no uh, uh, formal disclosure, failed first polygraph. He has, oh, still no final disclosure, failed the first polygraph. He has depression. How can I find him help for depression? How much does depression factor in? We've been separated for two years, married for almost 40, married almost 40. Well, I'd love you to start because what I'm noticing, Tammy, is less, where my head goes is less the depression and more the whole situation. So I'm just wondering, I have a feeling you were thinking that too. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys are kind of trapped in the in-between and, and, you know, like, and he's depressed. So I don't know what, um, you know, uh, we, with our treatment program, we have a great consulting physician who really gets addiction, but also gets depression and can help, you know, moderate if there's medications that need to be done. But people in, in active recovery, or I mean, in active addiction are, are depressed, especially if they're trying to stay sober and they're failing, you know, that's depressing in and of itself. So like figuring out if he's clinically depressed is different, but for you, what I really hear is two years of separation what's the plan you know what what is the plan is it i mean you know is it going to be three years or four years you know living in that in between of like is there you know there's no final disclosure failed as polygraph if there's no disclosure that is complete enough he's probably going to fail the next polygraph and he's only been sober for three months at a time over Maybe. all of these years. Yeah. Yeah. Over two years. So, so to me, this is like, he needs way more help than he's getting. Um, that, that is what if he the wants highlight it. is for me. If he yeah, wants yeah, it. exactly. And if he doesn't, I mean, if I then, wanted to stay married and if I, you were deeply important to me and I was going to do anything I could to make sure that our 40 relationship relationship turned to 50 or whatever I needed it to be. I mean, I'm assuming you're married for 40 years. He's not 40 himself. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether this man wants to be alone as he becomes an older man, but I want you to hear that he's setting up the circumstances by which he is going to be alone. You know, your focus on him and his depression and, and that is not really where my focus would be. Um, my focus is why are you worried about his depression as opposed to when are you going to go see a divorce lawyer? Like who cares about his depression? That's not your problem. He's slipping. He's not disclosing. He's lying. Look, I've worked with a lot of couples who've been together 40 years. And at that point, it's almost impossible to think about what would it be like to not be together? And we're older now and we plan for this time, whatever it is. But I want to give you props. You had the guts to kick him out or he left good for you. Why would you want someone to be back or work out? Why would you want to work out his problems? And the only answer can be, by the way, that you used to love him and you care about him and you wanted to be better. And I get that. But how is that serving you to take care of his problem? Look, when I do nice things for people, I, I think that they need to be nice to me. They don't have to do something for me in return, but they need to be nice to me. And what your husband is doing is not nice. He is hurting you actively, doesn't seem that motivated to get better. And as Tammy said, if you want to, if he really is motivated, there are lots of places to get help. 
But if he's not motivated, there are a lot of ways to put you off. And, and one of the ways I could put you off is say, oh, I'm just so depressed. You're not feeling good. I don't, what a great way to make you feel sorry for me instead of feeling, you know, angry at me. So if I were you, and by the way, 40 years, I know how to manipulate my spouse. Trust me, I've spent enough years to know what pushes your buttons. And if I say I'm struggling with this or that, maybe I'm going to get your heartfelt response, even though what I'm actually doing is slipping and lying. And, you know, so pay attention to the behavior and less what he says and more what he's doing. And I got to tell you, after 40 years and two years separate, I don't know if you're going to get back together. I think if you had the guts and the objectivity and the strength to say no more after 40 years, someone better, sure darn better be showing you the kind of thing that you want to be seeing to finish out your time in this life with this person. And what I'm hearing from you, I wouldn't want to waste another moment on this relationship as it's, as it is now. And I, I, it's not my job to say you shouldn't be together, but I would not want to be in a circumstance where I'd hung out for two years, hoping this person would get better. And I see that they are still stringing me along. Well put stringing along. Okay. Next question. I'm a betrayed partner two years out from D day. And my husband and I are currently separated. He has been to treatment and has been in and out of counseling for the last year. He is in a very dark place and has suicidal thoughts every day. He is currently refusing any sort of help. He's in the military, so it is a tricky situation because if mental health issues are found out, it could have career-ending consequences. Mm -hmm. Is there such a thing as an intervention for sex addicts? Okay, those seem like separate things. So yes. you mind breaking that down some, Tammy? to help well, answer it? Yes, there are a handful of people that do interventions for sex addicts. So if you're looking for those kind of resources, email me, Tammy, T-A-M-I, at seekingintegrity.com, including where you are, although most of them will work and, you know, will fly around and, and go to places too. But the bigger thing to me is it's tricky because of the military. So can you weigh in on that, please? Well, the only thing I can say is, I mean, she's absolutely right. And for those of you who are not familiar, I've, worked, I've done some trainings in the military and the challenge is, you know, we ask people to share their feelings to come. I mean, that's what healing is. You come forward, you talk about your issues, you share about them, but in the military, you're see, if it gets back to your CO, you know, it's going to, going to go in your record. You're never going to get anywhere in the military. You're never going to, going to move forward. So I think it is tricky. I, there are two things I, I would say about this. Number one, and Tammy, I Tammy can give you this sort of recommendation. We know a treatment center that takes TRICARE which is the vets and the, and the uh, military's insurance. And so I know that there's a place if he wanted to, that he could probably go for at least two or three, well, probably three weeks and TRICARE would probably pay for most of it. I think that's correct, Tammy. So we can give you, we don't just- We aren't great with insurance, or, but I do know where they have TRICARE. So yes. We don't refer everyone to us and not everyone belongs with us and everyone has different situations. Many of you write us and say, I need a therapist. I need a treatment center. Here are my circumstances. If, if one of us, or especially Tammy writes back, she's going to give you a few options. She's never going to say just us. So, you know, just to say it, that's a perfect example where I might want to refer someone to a place that you wouldn't have to spend a lot of money. The other issue is trickier. Um, I believe, and I'm almost certain that the military has, has, and I don't know what branch he's in. I know them. I'm pretty sure the Marines, the Navy, and maybe the Air Force have developed, they understand this problem in mental health. And they understand that the people within their system, look, it, actually the people in their system are trained that they have to release the notes to the CEO. That's what they have to do. But there are professionals that are 
being hired by the military who don't work for the military. They're consulting as therapists. And they're all over the world. I know this because I have friends who are like, I'm going to go to Japan for three years and be a consulting therapist. And what that means is they don't work for the military, so they don't have that responsibility of writing it up to the CO, the commanding officer, but they can listen and hear, and the military will pay for that. And again, this treatment center, I'm thinking, they may have a referral to therapists who do this or who are on TRICARE. or So um, military issues, I would defer to places that deal with a lot of military issues, and we can probably refer uh, mention a couple. We also know, by the way, I think therapists who are vets, have been vet, you know, or know that system, have written about these issues. Um, Tammy's not in her head, so I know she does. And uh, we can send you referrals for some of those people who might be helpful in your circumstances. But I, I, I the suicidal thoughts, um, that really is bothersome to me. Thank you. So, I mean, I'm not, so there are a lot of ways to look at that. Look, if someone I love is suicidal, I'm going to do everything I can to encourage them to get help. Um, if he's not willing to get that help, you know, as Tammy said, there are interventions and ways, but I wouldn't call, call it an intervention on sex addiction. I would say my husband is deeply depressed and he's really struggling. And how can I get him into some kind of care so that they can, because we at Seeking Integrity, nobody comes in just as a sex addict. I mean, that may be, or porn, that's a presenting issue in our world. We call them presenting issues. That was the issue you came in for. But I know that that's the tip of the iceberg and there's all kinds of things underneath that. I, inevitably, when we have six or eight people in treatment, someone has depression and never recognized it. Someone is not on the medication they need to be on. Someone needs to deal with trauma in a different way. So there's all kinds of things that people have underneath, but the, like the, the sexual behavior is the presenting problem. So um, there are places that can be addressed. And by the way, you can go to an outside therapist and pay for it, you know, if he's willing to go. The problem is if he's not willing to go, it's really unfair on you. Like, here's someone who's saying to you, I'm obsessing about and musing about not being here, but you don't, I don't want you to do anything about it. That's very cruel in a sense. I know he's only thinking of himself. If I was depressed, I would be too. But what an incredible burden on you to say to you, you make, I might off myself tomorrow and you're the only one who knew about it, but I tied your hands and you, you'll forever say to yourself, well, I don't care what he said. I should have done something about this. So why don't you think about where you would be if he already did it? Mm -hmm. And in your current living circumstance, in your current life, what are you going to say to yourself later that you wish you had done so that this wasn't the outcome? Because he could hurt himself tomorrow or the next day. We don't, hopefully never, God forbid, you know, but if he does, you will wish that you'd taken certain actions that you haven't taken yet. Why don't you consider it that that may happen? And what am I going to really want to have focused on before to make it not happen? And you know, there are people in the military who they need to leave the military because the issues they have are so profoundly troubling that they're either going to get thrown out, you know, dishonorable discharge, which by the way, sexual issues can often, and I'm just talking about cheating can get you thrown out for. So maybe, or someone's going to realize his depression. And he's, so maybe you guys should deal with this before the problem comes to you is what I'm saying. Um, anything else, Tammy? No, that was really helpful. Thank you. So, okay. And let somebody else, please let someone else know. Don't be alone with this. Tell your parents, tell his parents, tell your pastor, but don't be alone with these things that are going on with him. And if you can't get through to him, maybe his brother can, maybe his sister. And, by the way, with suicidality, they're all bets are off on confidentiality. 
I will tell whoever it takes in my family, my spouse's family, my friends, whoever will get through to them is who I will call. I don't want to be alone with this. So please don't be alone with this. He has shared it with you. He's looking for some kind of help. Help him get it. Thank you. So the next question, I know this is a very sensitive topic and I do not take this lightly, but I have done a lot of research and seriously wondering if my essay spouse has a personality disorder such as psychopathy or borderline personality disorder. He has a long history since teenage years that fit these descriptions. I thought this had to do with his addiction, but he and his own CSAT uh, and his own CSAT say he is making good progress, but I see no empathy and our relationship is getting worse. I honestly don't know how to approach this and how touchy it is, but I don't want to be focused on him getting better from his addiction and there'd be a deeper problem with a disorder that may never get better. That's complicated. Well, let me just say something about personality disorders in general. I've been doing treatment for 25 years. I've been licensed. I've probably seen a thousand clients or so. In terms of full-on personality disorders, I've seen maybe six. I see a lot of people with traits, people who are narcissistic, people who are dependent, people who have, but it isn't just a, a personality disorder is not necessarily fixed. I mean, a full on disorder might be, but what we struggle with is more about trauma, about abuse, about uh, what we've done to ourselves and what we've done to other people. Um, and I don't think it's a good idea to diagnose your husband. If you have a license and you are a professional, preferably PhD or above, then I might take my husband's symptoms to my therapist and say, you know, I know a lot about these things and I'm concerned. What do you think? But what you're describing is something I would call graduate school disease, which is what all the grad students have in therapy school, which is every time they say, now here's this disorder and here are all the symptoms. Everyone in class goes, oh my God, what if I'm that? And then they tell you another one. Oh, because when you're hearing these things roll out, you will identify with different pieces. And with your husband, you're going to identify strongly with certain pieces because every addict in active addiction and probably for the first year after looks very narcissistic, like the full-on personality disorder. If you come regularly, you will hear that all of the spouses say, for the most part, you know, he, he or she treated me like crap and we finally got the problem solved and now they're still treating me like crap. Well, if they knew how to treat you better, they would, but maybe just stopping the behavior is their first step. And actually getting to how to be a decent, loving human being, that could be a while down the road. I did write a book about this called Out of the Doghouse, A Cheating Man's Guide to Relationship Healing long subtitle out of the doghouse a cheating man's guide to relationship healing and i wrote it for men because men do not men who cheat on a woman that's how i wrote it for because men who cheat on a woman always near always minimize the amount of pain that they have caused they always think it should be over sooner and um they are not necessarily treating you in fact they're most often not treating your spouses the way you want to be treated and i don't think that's because necessarily they have a disorder I think they don't know how. They don't know how to be the kind of spouse that they should be when they've hurt you. Or listen, if your spouse knew how to deal with conflict, disappointments in them, disagreements, they wouldn't be an addict. You know, one of the reasons we struggle with addiction is because we don't know how to handle some very basic issues with human beings and we run from them. So just because your spouse, to all of you guys, has learned to not run from his 
or her challenges, their behavior, learn to stand up and be in it rather than running from it. That doesn't know they ha- mean they know how to be a better person. Being a better person can take a while. Really appreciating and understanding the depth of pain they caused you can take a while. Empathy is a later stage development in this process. The first is wake up, look at what you've been doing, look at how it's affected your life, look at what you want and how you're destroying it. And then it's, I wonder where this came from. Wow, you were really screwed up as a kid. No wonder why you ended up here. And then we start to move on to fixing the problem and changing the problem. Um, But it takes a long time. And um, just dealing with the addiction can be all somebody can do for a while. So if he's not nice, if he's not kind, whatever these symptoms are, you can set, Tammy will say it, boundaries. If you, look, if I find that you're acting this way around me, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to play with a dog. I'm going to, I don't want to be around you when you act this way. And when you're acting differently, you know, um, in an hour, I'll come back and see if it's better, if it's different, give them a chance to see if they can adjust their attitude, if you will, but rather than judging it or looking for it in a book, so I understand, and Tamil says, every partner wants to read every single book, and most of you are more educated in sex addiction than I am, and I have a PhD. <laughs> because you are worried about your marriages, you're worried about your lives, and you read every single thing that could possibly be there. But stop with the sex addiction books. Just stop there. Because when you get into psychopathology, you really need a licensed professional who's done this work for years and years, and really knows and knows all the changing diagnoses. and. I don't think your spouse has a full-blown personality disorder. However, addicts are very, they have very distorted thinking. They're only thinking about themselves. They have no idea to deal, how to deal with the damage they've caused on their own, you know, and we're pretty crazy to begin with. So um, I don't think it's your responsibility to diagnose him or to tell him what he needs to do to get better. Your, your job is to tell him how you, how, you feel around him and how, how he's acting makes you feel. Um, but his diagnosis, leave that to, to people who are paid to do that. It'll only make you feel worse. Then you'll find the next one. You're like, oh, I was wrong. He's really this. Leave that part to us. And we'll tell you. If I think your house is borderline, I'll tell you. But I don't think you should necessarily do, figure that one out. Next question. Married couple, second time. My husband is seeking essay treatment and has recently relapsed with extramarital affairs. We are hoping to approach recovery with the goal of healing and preserving the marriage. I, the partner, am struggling with whether or not to stay in the home or separate while he is going through treatment. Is it beneficial or detrimental to continue the the act as a married to act as a married couple, including sex, in the early days of recovery? Well, let me mention, let me say something about the sex first. And Tammy, I think you might have some, some thoughts about this, not the sex, but other parts of this question. Um, partners have been um, violated by betrayal. It's not unusual at the beginning for you to want to have more control over us in some way, because what you realize is we've been out of control. You never even knew about it. And one of the ways that some partners will want to control us is through sex. You guys sometimes think, well, if I have a lot of sex with him or her, they are less likely to go do this because now they're sexually satisfied. Or I want to comfort myself that he or she's not going to really get involved with someone else because we're having sex and that feels like we're more connected and that's exciting. Maybe we will stay, you know, we'll focus more on each other or um, I'm afraid they're going to leave me. And if I have a lot of sex, maybe, you know, we have spouses have many reasons why they choose to engage in sex with us in the beginning. 
But I would suggest to you there's one reason and one reason only why someone in a married relationship who's been through this would want to have sex with your partner. And the question is, do you trust us? Because if you were a single woman and I said to you, is it okay to have sex with people you don't feel safe and trust? You'd probably say, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Except maybe when I was 19. And so why would you have sex with someone that you don't trust, even if you're married to them? So to answer your first question, until trust is restored, and that can take a year or more, and that's provided all the stars are aligned, you may not have sex with him for a while. Can you satisfy yourself? Sure. Can you satisfy yourself with him present? Sure. Um, do you feel comfortable with him being inside your body or being physically intimate to that level? If I don't trust that somebody's not being with someone else, I don't think I'd want them that close to me. So um, that's one part of the question. And Tammy, I, I want to hear the other. I don't remember. Or maybe you want to answer it. beneficial or detrimental to continue to act as a married couple? Well, you are a married couple. You know, and if you're married, I think you should act married. And I don't say that sarcastically. Um, so I did a wonderful podcast with a man named Dr. Stan Tatkin, T-A-T-K-I-N. And the podcast is called We Do. That's what that actual podcast is called. We've done like 85 of them, so I don't remember all of them, but that one I remember. And one of the things that, that Dr. Tatkin talks about is, you know, what it takes to have a relationship, what it takes to maintain a relationship, um, what is the purpose of a relationship. And in great part, you know, um, this is really about your coming first his coming first, both of you really focusing on each other's needs, each other's wants, and really being open to making that happen. I'm desperately looking for the rest of this. Oh, I wanted to say something else about that. Oh, about, right. So one of the things that uh, Dr. Tatkin said, which I really love, is he said, he says to couples, when they're happy, when they're having fun, of course, he's ne they're never seeing a therapist then, but nonetheless, he'll say to them, when you were happy, when you were having fun, when everything was great, were you in your marriage? And, oh, yes, we were in our marriage. We were in love and we we're having fun and we were into being married. So my question is, based on what he has to say, and he says the same thing, too, aren't you in your marriage now? You're hurting. You're angry. You're confused. You're both a mess. That's still your marriage. So as long as you are married, I don't think you get to say, take marriage off the table. Now, you can say, do you think it's best for us to separate? I think that's up to you. I wouldn't if you're going to separate and you really mean it, you might talk about that now while your spouse is in treatment, because while they're there, they are going to be, have lots of feelings as anyone would about you saying, I don't want to be living with you. And what better place for this person to hear that when they're surrounded with a lot of support and therapists, I've had spouses have divorce papers sent to treatment so that that person could deal with what was about to happen with them while they were with us. So, um, so, Tammy, can you add to that? I think I'm talked out, but well, I just a little bit the only thing say. you know, some people put their relationship in safe harbor, you know, like which is just a safe space and go, okay, we're gonna just see, you know, because he is going to treatment, he is working on these things. So, so is it worth taking a little pause and just go, we're gonna not make any quick decisions or reactionary measures, we're gonna see, and it doesn't mean you're committed to staying in the relationship forever. Um, and like his behavior may be so egregious, um, that like Dr. Rob said, you know, you file for divorce while he's in there, but I also hear you considering having sex with him. So I'm, it feels like yeah, more like I would encourage you to get for you. Yes. Um, there's a betrayed partner group, 
um, Wednesday at 1230 Pacific time. Those are the kind of the topics that come up, but hopefully you've got pro dependent aligned support therapy for you to support you in this traumatic time. So. And Next by the way, oh, go ahead. one more thing about that. This person does sound like, and I'm glad you caught it, Tammy, someone who really needs to be on other people who are dealing with this. Cause these are very basic questions. I don't mean to be insulting, but do, should we have sex? Should we stay together? And under what circumstances? You know, these are the questions that every spouse who does this regularly, you know, comes to these kind of groups or more cute interactive groups. They're asking all the same questions. And I think for you to hear another woman who's in your circumstances struggling with the same thing, will not only help you feel better about yourself and your situation, but you're also gonna get some answers. Thanks, Tammy. Next question, my girlfriend finally left at, about a month ago after, not, uh, after I didn't get help for my sex addiction and intimacy anorexia. I never physically cheated, just watched porn and would look at pics on social media. She says, this is still cheating, is this cheating? I remember you answering the micro cheating question a long time ago. Do you remember that? Me, you don't remember it. I don't but, remember micro cheating. I remember my definition for cheating, but that's all. But what's micro cheating? Well, because it, it was a topic that was, well, it's just micro cheating. And you were like, it's cheating. It's got cheating in the name. It's still cheating. So, so we've done some research. Uh, a friend of mine and doctor, uh, a colleague of mine did some research because we wrote a book about this a, a while ago. And what we were curious about was what, I think we talked about 60 women. And we were curious about what percentage of them felt they were cheated on or felt that it was cheating if their spouse is looking at a lot of porn or, 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 you know, those kinds of images. And I think it was something like 92% of the women said that they felt they were being cheated on, even though it was just porn or it was just whatever. And, you know, I've defined cheating really by the keeping of meaningful secrets from someone who's deeply important to me. So it isn't cheating by the way, it isn't cheating if you've started a relationship and you're starting to live together or get married. And before you've gotten there, I say to you, listen, you know, I like to look at porn. I look occasionally. Is that going to bother you? You negotiate before you get in a relationship. But it's if it's 10 years later and you just found out that this is all going on, that it's absolutely cheating because it's been hidden from you and it's been kept a secret. And now all of a sudden you're finding out it doesn't matter whether you were cheated on with the porn. You were cheated on by this person taking their emotional, spiritual and physical life away from the relationship and not really telling you about it or giving you a clue. It's not unusual for people who are engaged with someone who looks a lot of porn to say, you seem really distant. You seem really unavailable. You seem really down. You seem, I don't know why you're locking in your office or locking yourself in your office for so many hours. They have so many questions about what's really going on. Um, and I think they deserve answers. So more, Tammy, more, more, more questions. Nope. I'm, uh, we're out of time. So, oh, so yeah, right, well, I know. Let me tell you, but, go ahead, Tammy, you close ahead. this out. Well, no, I, but so th there's so many good questions in there and I wish, but you know what, we'll be back next week to do the same thing. And Dr. Rob is also on intherooms.com on Friday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So, so, and then there are more drop-in groups and, uh, you know, for both men and women, female addicts, male partners, uh, everything on sex and relationship healing.com. And it's um, free. I invite you to do That's that. Yeah, those are free. all free. So yeah. yeah and, so. and podcasts are free and all of that stuff. So, and this is all free. Get as, get as much as you can from us. There are 14 groups a week. There are 84 podcasts. You know, I have probably 500 Psychology Today blogs that I've written. So, you know, if you think the work was, that we're doing is useful, you know, 
take advantage of us. We're all over it. Um, and just to say it, you know, if five out of a hundred of you go to treatment, we get paid and that pays for all the free work we do. So if you ever hear us mention our program, it, we are absolutely mentioning it. We absolutely do want people to come. I think we do amazing work. Um, do but too. the reason yeah. we do it is the ability through that to be able to give all this away. And that, you know, works for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.